We also have a, I don't know what to do. We also have a Lenten devotional that is part of our worship. And it's been put together by the children of the church under the leadership of Annette Huckfelt. If you have not received one of these Lenten devotionals, I uh, encourage you to do so before leaving worship this morning. Also, this coming Wednesday at 5.30, we begin a Lenten Bible study of the Gospel of John. It's called John, the Gospel of Light and Life. All are invited to be a part of this. It will take place in the Fellowship Hall. Again, 5.30 this Wednesday, we have the materials in the church office if you'd like to pick that up. So again, welcome. A reminder of the registration pads if you've not signed those because it is of help for you to know uh, for us to know of you being in worship. A reminder as well that next Saturday being the third Saturday of the month, we share the ministries of the food bank and clothes closet and encourage all volunteers as we gather at the Uptown Ministry Center next Saturday morning. We prepare to worship God together.
choir. I invite us to stand as we share in our call to worship. Jesus began his ministry to the world led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In those 40 days and in that place, Jesus was faced with hunger, doubt, and temptation. As we seek to follow Jesus, we would be led even into the uncomfortable choices. Jesus left the wilderness, faithful and obedient to God, rejoicing in the one in whom he trusted. I invite us to go to God with our opening prayer as it is before us, also in our bulletins. Let us pray. Almighty God, your Son fasted in the wilderness and faced human temptations. Give us courage to face and name our own temptations and to direct our lives in obedience to your Spirit. You know us better than we know ourselves. May we know you and grow closer to the vision you have for us. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We come to the Lenten wreath liturgy. We will have a candle extinguished by the Shoman family. As they conclude, we are invited to share in the singing of the first verse of Ah, Holy Jesus. Number 289. Oh, let me get... Yeah. Remember the events that led Jesus to his crucifixion. He had come into the world to bring hope and light, but at every turn there were those who sought to extinguish that light. He offered healing and wisdom, yet his gifts were often rejected by those filled with hatred and fear. Though God chose Israel to be his people so as to bless all nations, Israel was unfaithful to God as she wandered 40 years in the wilderness. Unlike Israel, 
Jesus was faithful in all ways to God during his 40 days in the wilderness. Unlike Israel, Jesus did not give in to temptation. Because Jesus was faithful, we begin our journey through Lent. As we do so, we remember Jesus' faithfulness to God, his love for us, and his presence with us all the way to the cross. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus, for being faithful to what God called you to be. Thank you for loving us enough to die for us. Lead us not into temptation, and lead us to follow you all the way to the cross. Amen. Thank you again. We prepare to hear the Old Testament lesson from Genesis 3. Kathy Diedrich will read this. First we pray. Pour your spirit upon us as your word is proclaimed and heard, O Lord. Help us to hear in faith, to be drawn to greater obedience, to greater love of you and of our neighbor. Amen. Testament lesson for today from Genesis 3, verses 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more subtle than any other wild creature that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be, to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Thank you, Jake. Thank you again, choir. I'll invite our children to come down as we share in our children's time. We've got room for everyone. A lovely bunch of children. Good morning. It is good to be with you. It's a, a real joy and delight to be with you each time we gather for worship. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing in this children's time. And thank you for sharing in this worship. And generally speaking, each time we gather for worship, we pray the Lord's Prayer because there was a time when the disciples went to Jesus and said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus responded with what we know as the Lord's Prayer. One of the lines from that prayer says, lead us not into temptation. Again, lead us not into temptation. It's one of the things that we pray. And it comes to mind this morning because as we share in the gospel lesson from Luke this morning, we're going to see Jesus in a terrible time of temptation. He's gone without food for 40 days. He's in the wilderness by himself, tempted. Jesus, fortunately, is faithful to God and resists that temptation, which is why we're here. I mean, if Jesus gives in to that temptation, we need not be here. But Jesus said no to temptation. He said yes to God. And in saying yes to God, he also said yes to us, meaning that we would have God's gift of life, which is revealed through Jesus. And even though we know that at times we, we are tempted, aren't we? We're tempted sometimes to, to say something we shouldn't, tempted not to be nice, tempted to say something hurtful, tempted to disobey our parents, tempted just to, to kind of not be faithful to God. But we are given the assurance as we gather for worship and as we pray, lead us not into temptation, that when we know those times of temptation, we know we're not alone. The Bible tells us the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, and that same Spirit is with us too. So even though we'll know those times of weakness or temptation, we also know we're not alone that God is there to help us, that God is there to help us to say no to temptation and to say yes to God. So I'm grateful that we know, even in the season of Lent, those times of temptation, but we also know we're not alone. So I'm going to invite us to pray, to give thanks to God, and uh, if you will, to repeat after me. We thank you, God, that even when we know temptation, we know we're not alone. You are with us to help us to be faithful to you in all things. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
Before the gospel is proclaimed, I offer these words of prayer. Lord, let me hunger enough that I not forget the world's hunger. Lord, let me hunger enough that I may have bread to share. Lord, let me hunger enough that I may long for the bread of heaven. Lord, let me hunger enough that I may be filled. But Lord, let me not hunger so much that I seek that which is not bread, nor try to live by bread alone. Amen. Is from Luke chapter 4. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit for 40 days in the wilderness, tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing in those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it shall all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will give his angels charge of you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Kathy. We read this story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness each year on the first Sunday of Lent. So we may recall the story of Jesus tempted three times. Still, I wonder if we notice the nature of Jesus' temptation. I wonder if we notice what Jesus' temptation is and what it is not. You see, I invite us to notice that the temptation of Jesus, according to Luke, is not some shallow cartoon character temptation. In other words, Jesus does not spend 40 days in the wilderness tempted by some crimson character with a pair of horns, a, a pointy tail, who for some reason carries a pitchfork. This is not the nature of Jesus' temptation at all. If this were the nature of Jesus' temptation... How difficult would it be to resist temptation that shows up looking like that? I mean, really, temptation showing up in red cape and horns, pointed tail and pitchfork is temptation that's really not going to tempt us to do anything other than run the other way. Temptation showing up like that is pretty easy to resist. We confront temptation that shows up like that it may be it's all we can do not to laugh. I mean, how can we take that seriously? But we read this scripture and we notice that's not the nature of the temptation confronted by Jesus in the wilderness, not at all. After having his identity put to question, if you are the Son of God, are you so sure about this? After being questioned in such a way, Jesus is tempted to turn stones into bread. What's wrong with that? I mean, would we rather have hungry people or bread with which to feed them? In other words, does not Jesus' refusal to turn stones into bread his resistance of that temptation, does it not make certain that many men, women, and children are going to go to bed with hungry bellies? 
The temptation of Jesus continues. The devil takes Jesus up to a high mountain and in a moment of time shows him all the kingdoms of the world. The devil says to you, I will give all their authority and their glory for it's been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it shall be yours. To be honest, Jesus, I wish you might reconsider saying no to this second temptation. Take your time. But as you do so, I want you to take a, a good look at unceasing civil war in Syria and the related refugee crisis. I want you to pay attention to the threat of nuclear war between Pakistan and India. I want you to give some thought to the leadership crisis in Venezuela the difficulty we and other nations are having in trying to deliver relief supplies to the suffering population there. We thought we had broken the ice with North Korea. Well, it looks like the dictator there is rebuilding some nuclear launch sites he told us he was going to dismantle. And we haven't even touched on the state of government and politics here at home. I'm not sure we have that kind of time. But you get my point, Lord. Who better than you to be given charge of all kingdoms of the world? Would that not put our minds at ease? And would that not be to the blessing and betterment of all people? But you say no. And we wonder why. One more. The devil takes Jesus to Jerusalem, sets him on the pinnacle of the temple. The devil says to Jesus, because even the devil recognizes his scripture, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here, because the Bible says he will give his angels charge of you to guard you and... On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Why not give in here? What harm can it do? I mean, we all know that the life of the church appears to have hit some turbulence. Those of us in the church appear to be getting grayer. That which is traditional is often greeted with a sneer anymore. In fact, the word tradition itself is often spoken as a four-letter word. So why not shake things up? Why not entertain the crowds by doing something such as hurling yourself from the pinnacle of the temple? You can write some tunes for contemporary worship on the way down. As you fall to earth, we'll round up some dry ice, install some laser lights, throw a Hawaiian shirt on the pastor. You understand, Lord, you throw yourself from the pinnacle of the temple, think of the crowds you'll draw, think of the evangelistic outreach, but you say no. You say no to turning stones into bread by which the hungry may be fed. You say no to having all authority over all nations, guaranteeing nations subject to chaotic and unsteady leadership. You say no to leaping from the pinnacle of the temple, bypassing what may be a great opportunity to draw more persons to you. You realize there are consequences to saying no to these things. Things that, that really don't look that bad. Things to which if you said yes, we'd understand. You see, isn't that the nature of temptation as you and I face it? Again, temptation doesn't come to us in horns, pointed tail, pitchfork. We're not tempted so obviously to do wrong if only we could recognize evil so easily. But temptation comes to us in a more 
subtle manner. Evil may not be so easily recognized. In fact, given the subtlety of evil, given the seductive quality of temptation, we know we often find great reward in saying yes to it, even in the church. I think of churches and those attractive, enticing idols we can pursue even within the life of the church. It may be the idol of nation wanting to give to nation the devotion and worship due only to God. It may be the idol of a pet project. I'm remembering churches that appeared to believe they existed only to produce an annual bazaar or yard sale or Christmas pageant. As pastor of such a church, the easy thing to do, of course, is to go along, to say yes to the temptation to serve these things. It's often the safe choice to give in. Doing so can certainly be rationalized for a multitude of reasons. So what's the big deal about some military procession during a service of Christian worship? We know Jesus tells us to love God with all heart, soul, mind, and strength. But really, is it that big a deal to turn the service of worship over to the VFW one Sunday? And is it really that big a deal to give all the time and energy of the church to an annual bazaar or yard sale? While we are at it, Jesus, is it that big a deal to turn stones into bread, to bow to the devil, to leap from the pinnacle of the temple? Don't you want to go along, to get along? Wouldn't that be the, the smart thing to do? No one would blame you. We pastors know. Don't you want to play it safe and save yourself? That's really at the heart of this scripture, isn't it? That's really why this scripture is set before us on the first Sunday of Lent each year. Jesus is given opportunity to stop right here, to go no further, save yourself. He's given opportunity right now not to worry about that cross. I can't help but notice that we in the church can easily wring our hands and worry about the state of the church, about our future, about how to attract persons to church, young persons especially. As we engage in these worried and anxious conversations, we so easily fall into survivor mode, easily fall into the posture of wondering how we can save the church. And such a stance, such a posture certainly presents itself any time the church gathers for annual conference, general conference. What can we do to save ourselves? Such conversations, though well-intentioned, still may be directed not so much at being faithful to God as much as saving the self. We notice Jesus tempted in the wilderness tempted to do those things which may be of help to many, tempted to do that which would guarantee his safety, is not so much concerned with his safety as he is with faithfulness, faithfulness to what God calls him to be. You see, as Jesus is tempted to save himself, to avoid the cross, Jesus at the same time is tempted to be what he is not. In a sense, that's the same temptation endured by Adam and Eve in the garden. You see, they're not the creator. They're the created. They are not gods of their own existence, but those subject to the God who brought them into being, who breathed his spirit into them. And they can be nothing other than that. They cannot be what they're not as they try to be something other than what they are, the gods of their own existence, their relationship with their creator is broken. 
Jesus, given opportunity to be what he is not, is faithful to what God calls him to be, even if it means not saving himself. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Jesus, as we begin this Lenten journey, remembers who he is. He remembers what he is called to do. And we, as the Church of Christ, are called to remember who we are and what God has called us to do. He calls us to follow no one other than this one who came not to be served, but to serve this one who saved not himself, but gave himself for the sake of all. Amen. As we remember who Jesus is and what he is called to do, we affirm our faith, sharing in the Nicene Creed a foundational confession of faith that very early in the history of the church identifies for us the nature of Christ, so we stand and affirm our faith with this creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us, for our salvation, which came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. As we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ.
As we find our places, our ushers will come forward. We worship God with his tithes and our offerings. pray and you see the response uh, as the offering is returned will be blessed be the name as we find that printed in our bulletins let us pray we thank you lord for the gift of your son for your faithfulness to us for this opportunity to serve and worship you receive these gifts and in your care may they accomplish great things for the sake of the gospel amen
seated. Especially in this season of Lent, we are given opportunity to strengthen the discipline of prayer. So now we go to God as we pray, remembering the call to be those who pray without ceasing, remembering the call to be those who ask, seek, and knock. We share in these prayers, it's a responsive time of prayer in which I will name various petitions and conclude each of the petitions with the words, Lord, in your mercy, and invite from you the response, hear our prayer. I invite you to name those circumstances or persons you'd like to lift to God as we pray at this time as well, and then we pray as Christ has taught us. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness for saying no to temptation in order to say yes to us. We thank you for remembering your call. We thank you for opportunity to remember your call of us and pray that we would be faithful in all ways to you in these 40 days. Remind us that we do not make this journey alone. We journey with other faithful, and we journey now and always in your presence. So help us, Lord, to be those who say no to temptation, that we may say yes to you. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Emily Woldridge. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us as we pray for those who suffer and those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. George Amos. Sue Olive. Tiffany Jones. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our City Council, School Board, Emergency Workers. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. The tornado victims. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, hear our prayers for your church its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. Bishop Lewis, Bishop Peter Weaver, Janine Howard, the Ministries of First Church. Lord, in your mercy. And hear our prayers joined with those of your saints who are present with us now, lifting their voices in prayer and praise, and joining their voices to ours, praying as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Our closing hymn. Let us stand. Yeah. <laughs>
before the benediction, my hope is to see you here this coming Wednesday as we continue with our midweek Lenten services. We meet here at noon. Michael Harrison of the Community Fellowship will be the speaker this coming Wednesday. Also, Corky Corcoran will provide the music for us this coming Wednesday as well. So it is a wonderful series of Lenten services that is before us. We're blessed to be able to host and offer these services, and I look forward to seeing you then. And we go now in peace, assured that we go with the Lord who is with us to help us endure all temptation, the Lord who gives us strength to be faithful, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.